My name is Brent. You would know it to look at me, but I'm in the middle of a violent war to save Earth via podcast. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where Jen and I discuss the Animorphs books in order as we read them. This week we're doing book 39, The Hidden, in which the Yerks have repaired the Helmicron ship, remember those guys, enough to hook into its morph energy sensors and are using it to track down the Ascafil device. In the process of keeping it on the move, Cassie accidentally bestows the ability to morph on a cape buffalo who promptly acquires Chapman. It spends the rest of the book following the Animorphs around through the woods while they desperately try to keep a step ahead of the Yerks. The gang devises a plan to lure the helicopter containing the Helmicron ship out over the ocean and then drop a whale on it, but Cassie isn't able to morph fast enough due to the sheer fatigue of so many rapid morphs. At the last second, a totally normal seagull gets sucked into the engine intake of the helicopter, and it explodes. Also, the Yerks killed the buffalo. The Yerks killed the buffalo, Brent. The uh, the Dracon beam blew up the buffalo. That was... I don't know if we want to get... I, I really enjoyed this book, so I don't know if we want to start talking about the things that I hated about this book. <laughs> All right, yeah. I think most of our complaints are about the the ending of the book, so we'll we'll wait until... I mean, we can start with something we like more. Uh, before we yeah. do anything, I want to mention that The Hidden, this book was written by Laura Badiani Weiss, uh, who also wrote books 27 and 31. Under her own name, she writes uh, young adult fiction. Uh, her latest novel is Me Since You. You can follow her at Laura Weiss on Twitter, and her webpage is laurawise.com. Yeah, I seem, I seem to recall enjoying the other books she wrote. That being said, I think probably somebody in our audience will remember exactly whether we did or not, so maybe I shouldn't. I, I, seem, I seem to recall really liking them. There is audio evidence of how we felt about them, so... Uh, yeah, I guess I could go back... And figure that out. But I mean, the, I, I remember the, the 31 was the one where Jake's grandpa died. And they had that sort of terse standoff with Tom not wanting to go because he would have starved from Kendrona race. I really, I really remember enjoying that one a lot. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the Rachel Squid Drode ship. Drode. Drode. The Drode, <laughs> Brent. Don't you like the Drode? I apologize for nothing. The Drode likes you. <laughs> The drone would like some more of those peeled grapes. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't remember loving or hating that one, which means it was probably just okay. This one was very good. I really liked this book. It, it kept a, a good pace. Um, I liked. I, I really didn't know how they were going to get out of this one for for mm. most of it. Yes. And they get out of it in a cheap way. But again, we'll, we'll get there. We, I mean, or we could talk about it now. <laughs> We could circle back, or we could do it now. Oh, no, 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 we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll to it. Them, we'll get yeah, them, we'll talk we'll about the them, good we'll stuff first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, there managed to be another book mentioning the Helmicrons that I didn't immediately mm. hate. So that's like bonus surprise. As soon as I saw Helmicron ship, I thought, ah, oh, fuck me. <laughs> yes, it was just a plot device. No actual Helmicrons appear in this book to its benefit. <laughs> But I think it, 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 yeah, it keeps up a really good pace. We have a lot of Cassie action scenes, which I'm always super into. And I think this does something, this did something very similar to the book where everybody comes down with the morphing virus and she's sort of left all alone to deal with things. 
in that she was left all alone to deal with things for a lot of this book especially like the first half when she's going to the gardens and trying to escape with the morph cube and just sort of like a super action hero we has to make all of these high pressure choices uh, that was really good yeah yeah it's always cassie's always the one who gets stuck with the real moral quandaries maybe mm. because she's the only one who wouldn't just immediately come down on whatever the most expedient option is <laughs> yeah it's hard to imagine a version of this where rachel is face to face with the buffalo and doesn't just put it down yeah just immediately know? mark it but i also appreciate that because Cassie's struggles, or maybe despite the fact that Cassie's struggles are often very internal and mental, that I like when these books put her in high pressure situations where she doesn't really have time to dwell on those sorts of things. She has to make a decision and then sort of go back and, and think about whether or not it's the right one. And this book was interesting because it kept pressuring her to make decisions and then giving her a second chance to rethink that choice. <laughs> Because the the buffalo follows them, and they keep they keep thinking maybe it's dead or maybe it's lost them, but it never quite does. Yeah, it, it's interesting that the buffalo seems to develop an incredible attachment to Cassie. It saves her life a couple times. It, it's following her around for some reason. It decides that these people are its herd, even though uh, they call it the Widowmaker towards the <laughs> yeah. beginning because it's just so dangerous. Yes, highly territorial. But I guess I guess it decides that Cassie is part of its familial territory. And so it, I I don't know. It, it I think I think it kind of makes sense cuz even if it's a buffalo, it acquires morphing and morphs into Chapman, and that's horrifying in a lot of ways just conceptually, but it it sees Cassie also morph. So I think in in a time of confusion, it's just latching on to this one thing that makes some sort of sense. Yeah, I can see that. Um, It's it's interesting that we now have an eighth anamorph, um, (laughs) the the buffalo. Yeah, I think that the core concept of this book is so fucking good. The the concept being what what if a non-human animal got the power to morph? And the answer is it's real fucking creepy. <laughs> it's a bit Island of Dr. Moreau. It is, yeah, yeah. Because, like, the the buffalo, like, nudges question mark the morphing cube and then hits, like, body slams Chapman and acquires it that way. And then does this weird half morph where it just sort of, it just sort of like water buffalo centaurs Chapman for a while. Where it's just like the head of Chapman on this buffalo. Is pretty unpleasant. <laughs> There's so many things about every morph that this buffalo does that are super unpleasant. Oof, yeah, especially the fact that when it when it does become Chapman, I mean, it doesn't have pants, but Ch- that body, that Chapman body, is still all of their principle. It is that is he he is still their principle, and boy, have they seen his dick. Boy, howdy. Do you think? that the the dick completed the morphing process or was that hog part buffalo i assume for part of it brent i assume for part of it it was a buffalo dick okay so they still they might just be really impressed by the size of their principal's (laughs) dick at this point because they don't know how much of that is buffalo that's true they do they uh, they there are some let's say comments there are some lines of dialogue where it's clear that they have all seen their principal's dick. And that was very funny to me. <laughs> Would you like <laughs> to read them? 
Uh, I don't know where they're at. I just know that Marco is like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Chapman. He's our principal. Oh, no. Yeah, one of them does say they'll never be able to look at Chapman the same way again. Yeah, because they seen his big old buffalo dick. <laughs> this buff- buffalo also, in what I think is probably my favorite part of the book, uh, bumps into Visor 3, acquires Visor 3, <laughs> morphs visor three and then fights visor three i don't know why that was so funny to me but i loved it Uh, it's because for a lot of this book it's trying to be like a real tense cat and mouse game but then it seemingly out of nowhere on several occasions just devolves into what is essentially a cartoon like the, (laughs) the 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 Visser 3 fight is very funny because it has the classic, no, I'm the real Visser 3, shoot him (laughs) type situation in that all of the minions just sort of back off because they don't want to accidentally hit the wrong one. Yeah, which is totally, totally fair. I, 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 and this is something that popped up in this book and has popped up in other books where a lot of times the minions will do nothing (laughs) rather than the wrong thing. Uh, even though nothing is usually the wrong thing anyway, which is funny every time. Sure, but but if they if they all do nothing, what's he going to do? Murder all of them? The, yes, yeah, Brent. Yes, he will murder all of them. I mean, yes, you're you're right. He will, but <laughs> there's some solidarity in that. Yeah, that's fair. But I I like that they battle. I like that Visitor Three like cuts off the Buffalo's whole arm, whole Andalite arm. <laughs> <laughs> and the buffalo just keeps going and then just eventually runs off into the woods. I feel like I'm describing it poorly. It was very good. <laughs> I I did almost expect when Cassie runs off of the cliff uh, mm. and the buffalo follows her for there to be a couple moments where uh, they haven't looked down yet. And so they're just sort of hanging there. <laughs> Wiley Coyote style. Yes, that was that would have been very good, except for the part immediately after that when they land and Cassie demorphs and the buffalo is there with its broken legs and is just sort of like whimpering and whining because it broke its buffalo legs. I found that part actually very sad and upsetting. Well, I think so it made me think of yeah, rightfully so. Did you ever watch Avatar: The Last Airbender? Uh, no. Oh, there's a very, there's a, one of the animal familiar friends is a, a buffalo that flies. <laughs> it's a good show. Uh, but there's a very extremely heart-wrenching episode where they, the buffalo gets separated from the rest of the group and gets like chained up by a circus and tortured a bunch. And it's absolutely positively heartbreaking. It's the only episode of the show that I skip when I rewatch it because oh it's goodness. so upsetting. <laughs> it's so upsetting. And that's what this... That was, that's what it reminded me of. I felt, I felt, I think, I think because of Avatar and Appa, which is the buffalo in Avatar, I felt much more compassion for this buffalo than I would have otherwise. <laughs> I see all I could think about was, my God, how, how I, you know, it has to end with this buffalo getting, getting murdered yeah. because there's no way that they just have this morphine buffalo hanging around for the rest of the series. Right. Yeah, I I was hoping, because they do bring it up, and the buffalo keeps getting into very dangerous situations and almost dying, and then morphing, because Cassie sort of guides it to morph so that it won't be hurt anymore. I really wanted, and I think something that would have made this, instead of just a very good book, into an, a really great book, I wanted the buffalo to survive at the end, and then them having to come to terms with what that means. And 
I, I, they do mention that killing it is the most obvious and easy answer, and I don't disagree with that, but I think it would have been really interesting for them to try and find something to do with the buffalo. Like, just killing the buffalo off felt cheap to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you, I think you described the, the seagull as a deus ex machina. Yeah, deus ex uh, seagull, I believe is how I described it. Fuck, yes, sorry, Brent. Yes, you did. You did say those words. Um and I think, honestly, having the buffalo exploded by Dracon Beam is also a deus ex oh, yes. buff- buffalo. Yeah, very lazy. De- deus ex buffalo explosion. Yeah. But I feel, I was trying to think through, like, what what could you have done with the buffalo outside of killing it and not... Uh, like, what could, you, what could you do? What could they have done? And this is what I came up with. Okay. You have the buffalo acquire another different buffalo. Morph that buffalo... And become a nothlet of that new buffalo. How interesting. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. That's complicated, but yes. I think it is the most likely to work. I think it could have. I think it could have actually worked. And there are some issues with it. Like you probably have to have the buffalo acquire a bird. And that's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd have to sneak the buffalo somewhere to get additional buffalo DNA. Just tricky. But I think uh, I think they could have tricked the buffalo into becoming a, a separate buffalo nothlet. I think they could have done that, but they didn't have to. They didn't have to come up with any plan. I'm see. I'm not sure that that that's the plan they would have gone with because the whole way Cassie was rolling seemed like she was more in favor of uh, teaching the buffalo how to be a human. Mm, yeah, teaching it to talk. Uh huh. In a sort of madcap comedy film styling, like a sort of. Uh, not exactly Encino Man, but that sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, there are definitely parts of this. In fact, she describes it at one point. She has this mixture of hope and nausea as the buffalo started to make human noises in Chapman form. Mm. And it's like, that's a very... that I felt similarly through a lot of this book. Hope and excitement that the buffalo was still alive, but also nausea at the existence of this buffalo. Also, nausea at the just... Chapman hog swinging around while it's mewling at you. Mm. Mm. Doing a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Real bad one. <laughs> oh, God. Um, what about the ant? Fuck. Well, that was just horrifying. This book had a lot of externalized <laughs> body horror in uh, real bad ways yeah yeah it was very good i think this is maybe the most horrifying book the in the series there isn't while while she's on the run with the buffalo there is an ant who somehow also this this fucking escafil device i swear to god appears (laughs) to be like uh uh radioactive like just don't let anything touch it there, yeah. there should be microbes acquiring the morphine power constantly. It, it's just been like a corner of her barn, right? How do they not have a bunch of fleas and stuff that have started morphine uh, animals in the wildlife rehabilita- rehabilitation center? I mean, we don't we don't know that they aren't. Oh my like, god, we don't. There could be. They've released a plague of, of animal morphers. <laughs> I mean, that would actually probably be pretty helpful for them <laughs> to really take the pressure off them and their morphs. This is, I, I just, I don't know how the Andalite homeworld hasn't had like a gray goo type <laughs> scenario with wildlife hitting this cube all the time. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does seem it does seem weird that all you need to do to get the morphing ability is to literally brush against the morphing cube. Like cuz I don't it's hard for me to imagine that the ant was was purposeful. Like I'm going to crawl on this cube and it's going to give me powers. Mm. 
David couldn't morph when he found it before they, like, thrust morphine upon him, right? How did that work? I mean, he might have had the ability to morph and just hadn't acquired a morph. My headcanon is that he just wears gloves all the time everywhere. He's just a weird kid who wears gloves all the time. Yeah. Fingerless, probably. That is a weird high school thing to do. Yeah. One of those those combs that looks like a switchblade. (laughs) It seems very David. (laughs) It does. It very much does. But yeah, so this yeah. ant that just happened to touch the, the Escafil device and acquires and Cassie up. Ugh. and then Ugh. starts morphing Cassie when it sees her morphing and it's this giant Cassie ant person who tries to tear her arm off with its Oof. huge Cassie mandibles. Oof. It's really rough. She does not hesitate to stomp it into uh, <laughs> just everything. Stop the whole area. Yeah, hopefully killing it. Presumably killing it. We don't see or hear from the ant again, so that's good. But yeah, that was... I was glad that she just went ahead and killed that one. (laughs) Like, I I appreciate having hesitations about the buffalo. I'm glad she didn't wring her hands about the morality of killing that ant morpher. Well, I mean, the the buffalo, it's... It's kind of trying to be her friend, right? It's following her around and, and helping her out yeah. and saving her life. And the ant is just like crush, kill, destroy. So had had an immediate existential crisis about being cut off from the ant oversoul, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it had morphed a taxon, if it would have been more comfortable. Oh God, that's a very good question. I regret that they didn't explore that. <laughs> Well, that, that of course, comes to the, the major issue with the, the concept behind the book is that for anything more interesting than the buffalo just getting blown up to happen, you'd need a couple hundred more pages, probably. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. At a certain point, you can't really do anything too complicated because these books have a limit and an audience limit. Yeah, and sort of that's kind of, I can't be that burned about how rushed the ending felt because it. It was like, oops, we're out of pages. We better solve all this shit that we laid out. <laughs> yeah, I guess the, the thing that bothered me about the ending is that you had this easy out with the buffalo. And then you had an easy out with the helicopter. Just feel like, pick one. Pick one easy out. You'd have one deus ex per book. Double down on the other thing. How fucking dangerous is it in the Animorphs universe to just be a professional helicopter pilot? Just like at <laughs> all. <laughs> There must be birds constantly causing huge fireballs just on News Chopper 5 or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you looked up that because when I read it, I was like, how a jet engine for the helicopter? I had a really hard time imagining that because that's not incorporated in my very, very basic understanding of what a helicopter is. Yeah, like I, um, I googled, can, can a bird blow up a helicopter? <laughs> Uh, and most of the stuff I found was um, concern about birds crashing through the windshield and attacking the pilot. Um, oh, see, that would have been a much better plan than the plan that the Animorphs had. <laughs> yeah, uh, there is some sort of engine intake on a helicopter. I don't know if jet engine is the correct terminology or not, but there is mm. some sort of engine intake. From what I could figure out, it looks like most of them have some sort of particulate protection mechanism to keep stuff that gets sucked in them from causing the thing to explode. But I don't know how things rolled in the 90s or if those are effective against birds. All I know is I I don't think they should ride in any helicopters. 
That seems very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When a seagull can take one down, that's not an ideal situation. I mean, I'm glad their their plan was a, a bad one. Because it was just Cassie's going to morph a bird, then morph human, then morph a whale above the helicopter and then just slam it into the ocean. How many of their plans have involved drop a Cassie on it? <laughs> a surprising number <laughs> a su- yeah an awful lot it seems like <laughs> to the point where that's almost a new bird parachute i'm honestly not sure what their end game was with this though because i know like whales are huge but uh i feel like a helicopter rotor actually going full speed would probably fuck it up pretty hard yeah even if even if Cassie was falling on Mark, and the helicopter didn't move such in such a way that she wasn't able to hit it. It didn't. It didn't seem like a good plan at any point. And maybe the author realized that and was like, "Well, seagull." <laughs> yeah, yeah. A seagull who wasn't even trying to blow up the helicopter took it out. So that's <laughs> that's an indictment, I think. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad Cassie wasn't turned into deli meat whale deli meat because that would have been that would have been a really gross cherry on top of this otherwise extremely gross book i i know that she described it as being sliced up like deli meat but honestly i pictured it more like the the like just a hole getting cored out through the middle of the whale (laughs) yes yeah gross I think there's an Akewood comic about helicopter blades and their sharpness I'm going to have to post on Twitter regarding this. <laughs> Excellent. I look forward to reading it. <laughs> um, Anything else that you got from this? Oh, I did. So they they mention offhandedly in a way that makes sense that the Chi were taking their places in their lives while they were going on this weird forest escapade running from helicopters. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. But it made me stop and think like, is there going to be a point in this book where the chi are living their lives more than they do? I'm not 100% certain that we haven't already hit that point. Oh, shit. I'm trying to think about the last time they mentioned that they were actually in class. I feel like it's been a couple books. Uh, Marco may have mentioned homework in his last book, but I think they tend to skip over the being in class stuff usually because it's yeah, not unless as interesting as the life and death struggles. <laughs> and that's hard to argue. But I definitely, I feel like at the beginning, at least, there were still a lot of school-based scenes. But maybe it's just a matter of eventually, eventually that's boring. Eventually, they, they don't get any more clues from Chapman at, at school. Yeah, I think also their activity level has ramped up. Uh, when they mm. first started, it was very tentative, uh, and it seems like they're pretty constantly um, in anti-Yerk Empire missions now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're they're a lot more active, and I, f- I feel like I feel like it's a good thing that they still have the Chi covering for them. I'm I'm also curious if there's a point at which they will no longer care about maintaining that cover. I guess if you have the chi and the chi can't really do anything else, there's no reason to not have them be there as a placeholder. Grim, it, it, we're, we're, this is book 39, Brent. We are getting towards the end. We're well over the halfway point. Things could start ramping up in a pretty serious way, I'm hoping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if this will come back as because at some point, right, I figure they're going to get exposed. 
Yeah. It's got to happen. We're yeah. in the home stretch. It's got to happen, right? I hope so. It would be it would be weird if that never happened in the series. So once Visser 3 knows their human identities, they now have discovered that they've got a pretty great way to fake their death. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I uh, it leaves a body and everything. If, yeah, I'm wondering if like they're I get they're probably their families are gonna like join the cheese and maybe like witness protection. Do you think that's gonna happen? I mean, maybe the Chi or Hecate, one of the two, but limited resources yeah. and the Chi don't want to get exposed either. Uh, yeah, that's true. There's things are way more at stake for the Chi. Probably Hecate will take them in. And maybe some of them will go and live with the hork I mean, like in their nice free. Try explaining to their parents that they just need to listen and drop their whole lives right now. I don't think it's going to go well. <sighs> yeah. Jake's parents are, are going to get... Uh, nabbed by Tom probably before Jake has a oh. chance to even warn them. Uh, yeah, that's true. Probably before the Animorts are even aware they've been exposed. Jake's parents will. Rachel's dad will end up as a controller no matter what because he's in a different town, so she's not going to be able to get him out in time. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a kind of a toss up whether she'll be able to get her mom and sisters out. Yeah. Cassie's mom is probably already a controller. And if not, then what even are the Yerks fucking doing, you know? See, I thought this book was pretty good confirmation that her mom isn't a controller. I agree. Yes. It's th- her dad could still be a controller, but I didn't I, I thought her reactions, Cassie's mom's reactions in this uh I think sort of confirmed that she didn't have any idea what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, if she had been a controller, I think it would have been a much, much different book. I think that's fair. So I think I think Cassie could probably get her parents out. I'm picturing her morphing a horse and her parents riding her <laughs> into the woods in order to escape a Yerk patrol car or something. <laughs> it's a pretty good. That's a pretty good concept. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. <laughs> um, I just I hope that I this is a weird thing to say. I hope they do get exposed. That would be a nice break for it would be it would be it would be a good turn. It would certainly shake things up. Yeah. And that's why I think it's probably going to happen because we're getting real close to the end of the series and it, that seems like the natural point to put in a, a real intense shakeup like that. There's only so much higher they can raise the stakes with the current status quo before something has to give. Yeah, that's true. I I feel like they're they're brushing up the ceiling against the current current status quo so it'd be cool for them to bust through (laughs) uh is there anything else from this book that you wanted to talk about uh i just wanted to note that there is a real weird scene where cassie has morphed the buffalo and uh marco does one of those like cattle driving things where he smacks the the rump and says like get along little doggy or something and (laughs) that and then Cassie apologizes for getting mad at him about it, but, like, it isn't a buffalo. It is still his friend Cassie, and he did just slap her ass. So that's... Yeah. That's unfortunate. That's uncomfortable. It sucks. That's not great. Yeah. I'm imagining, I'm imagining like, Rachel as a bear slapping Marco as a gorilla's ass, and that's weird. That's a weird thing. Not just because it's a bear slapping a gorilla ass, but it's teammates. I think we've learned at this point that Rachel wouldn't slap Marco's ass. She would force him at claw point to sit on a photocopier and then mail it to everybody. God. God. Dark books, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they've been dark. They've been dark. Yeah. Yeah. I think this one, I I really like 
I really like the concept of what happens when an animal animal gets morphing powers. I really like that concept. I think this is really well deployed. Mm-hmm. I think they explore it well. I I I feel like maybe the whole series doesn't have a good enough grip on what counts as instinct. Yeah. To have played it out to the fullest. Because it, it, the buffalo seems to try to communicate a few times, but it's really hard to tell. Because language isn't instinctual. Right. And there's no reason to believe that the buffalo would ever really be able to learn language. So I, I don't I don't know if we were supposed to take that as the buffalo learning language. And also, like, what does it mean? Man, Brent, what does it mean for a brain one kind of brain to learn something and then for that to get transformed into another brain during a morph. Like, how does that consciousness work? I don't know. I don't think that anybody involved in the production of these books knows either. Just trying to think if there's any animal skill that it would be worth learning in a morph that you could take into your human body. Uh, What if you learned sign language as a gorilla? And then you could still know sign language when you were in your human body. That's true. I don't know why you would have to morph to gorilla to learn <laughs> sign language, but, but you could do it if you just really need something to spice up your, your language lessons. Well, you know, the Coco probably did not pay for those sign language classes. Oh, so if you wanted to get free... <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> free sign language classes, that's the way to do it. I'm not sure that Coco got privacy every two hours uh, in order to <laughs> be- not become a gorilla notlet of herself. But yeah, that's that's a, that's a strategy. <laughs> Ugh, well. Yeah, it's... Unfortunately, I think this is just going to be a little bit of a short episode because it was a good book. And my big complaint about it is that they just didn't have enough space to explore the concept as thoroughly as I would have liked. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I mean, it it has a lot of scenes that are sort of repetitive because a lot of, most of the scenes end with the buffalo showing up, (laughs) saving their asses, and then they leave it behind. And that repeats like three or four times. So it's a, it's and it's good every time because it's a little bit different every time, but it doesn't it doesn't leave us much to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Well, because the it's you know it reignites the moral dilemma that Cassie's having the every time that it shows up, uh, and then you know saves them. <laughs> but yeah, it's... yeah. It it felt like it every time it felt like it was giving Cassie another chance to change her mind about abandoning this sweet buffalo who just <laughs> wanted to help. And and she sort of does towards the end, like she like after they drop it off the cliff, she saves it once again and then sort of lets it go, which I think is probably enough for her to be comfortable about what has happened. But boy, did that buffalo still explode! <laughs> like like a meat balloon, <laughs> just chunks of buffalo everywhere. Yeah, it was real gruesome. Smell of burning hide. So that was book 39, The Hidden. Yeah, I think that'll do it for this week, huh? Yeah, I think so. Next week is book 40, The Others, right? The Other. The other. Yeah, it's a Marco yeah. POV. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that, everyone. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. Who do, you think the, who do you think The Other is? I think The Other is The Ant the ant morph. I think Cassie can crush it. <laughs> I think the, the ninth member of The Animorphs, I think that's what The Other is. I think this book's going to be about it. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. Well, don't tell me if I'm right, Brent. I don't want to know. Oh, no, I we'll, want to read and explore for myself. We'll find out. We'll find out, okay. and uh, you'll you'll discover if you're correct or not. Okay. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us on the web at fandalites.com. If you have anything to say about our show or the books, or you just want to chat, you can hit us up on Twitter at fandalites, on Tumblr at fandalites.tumblr.com. Uh, you can email us at fandalites at gmail.com. Thanks to Justin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. Uh, we'll see you next week when we do Book 40 The Other. And until then, remember, nostalgia is a drug.